And now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California. Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Reel Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Well, thank you, Mark Larson and Southern California. Welcome again to yet another edition of Rod and Reel Radio. I am indeed your underfish toast. Hop along, John Cassidy. And it is a pleasure to join to uh, ask you to join us tonight for the show. I think we're going to make it worth your while. I know there's a lot of distractions out there. Christmas shopping, dinner with the families. Rumor has it there's a ball game or two on. But you know what? Put those things aside and spend the next couple of hours with us. We're going to make it worth your while. Let me let uh, you know just exactly what we have in store for you tonight. If you haven't already checked us out on Facebook, we're going to have recreational lobster hooper Tony Sousa with us. Say, hey, Tony, he just won the uh, Gale Arms Lobster Derby last week, but Tony has a big background in crab fishing. He's uh, just an amazing individual to talk to. We'll get a little bit about that background, how do he, he got to this point in time, and maybe he can give us some hints on how we can become better recreational hoopers. And then later on, Rick Marin from H&M Landing is going to be with us. We're going to find out whether this winter weather, weather put a fork in this year's tuna bite and what else is happening because, you know, right after tuna fishing, there's whale watching. So we'll give you the lowdown on whale watching. You're going to want to know about all about that. And then in the second hour of the show, we're going to talk with Jimmy Decker. Jimmy Decker was part of a crew on Bad Company that had a phenomenal time catching marlin at Mag Bay here just a few weeks ago. It was epic. And we're going to talk about his trip there, how they went about doing it, and some of the results they experienced. So, hey, stay tuned. Sit back. It's going to be a great show tonight. Before we get it going, though, let me introduce to you my co-host. Wendy is still, I believe, on a long-range trip. Hopefully, she'll be calling in later on. But my other co-host, Stan Vandenberg, he is the voice of 100 1-800-BASS BOAT and a pretty darn good fresh and saltwater fisherman in his own right. Stan, how you doing tonight, sir? I'm alive and well, John, and good evening, everybody. I hope the Wendy is is getting the whipping that I hope she's getting. <laughs> she's, she wanted to catch her first Wahoo, <clears throat> and, and she's on a trip that's long enough that right now that lower bank stuff just below Mag um, all the way down to behind me, actually. But that's going with that bigger tuna. So Wendy really has an opportunity, if the, depending on how far they'll go down, to uh, to test drive. Well, t- test her skills on two fish that she hadn't got. One, one that big tuna, and two uh, wahoo. So God, I hope she gets them both. 
I hope she does. And we want to give a special shout out to uh, Daryl Primrose from Ballyhood Lures. He supplied not only you, but Wendy with some special Wahoo bombs that hopefully made it a successful trip for her. Well, it, it's not the bomb so much as the troll bait. It's a long time ago. We didn't, I didn't know what it was called. We just had one on the boat and uh, threw it overboard. He got bit instantly. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the Wahoo loved this thing. And, and I called it a cowbell. And we had it on air. We talked about it on air because it's a kind of a conical jig. I mean, a conical head. And then with a bolt or screw goes through it. And it's got a, a round uh, four-inch tube that it kind of sticks into that rattles back and forth. And kind of sounds like a cowbell when, you, when you're holding it up. So I just called it a cowbell. When I finally found it at the Fred Hall Show and Daryl Primrose is there from Ballyhood, I'm going, this, this is the secret weapon of all Wahoo fishermen. And I don't care what other bait you got on the boat, <clears throat> new ones or old ones, this thing will catch them and catch a lot of them. And we had, at one point in time, uh, three of, we only had three of them on our, on our trip on the Independence. Uh, I put it out the first time and it was two minutes and bang. It stopped the boat every time. We put two of them out, those two got bit. We had three of them out, those three got bit. And it got bit against everything else out there including by the marlin that we're going to talk about down there in Mac Bay. Because <laughs> I think we were down there just about the same time that uh, the bad company was. But uh, the that cowbell, otherwise known as the banshee, with the 32-ouncer, with that orange and black skirt, or the black and uh, purple or purple and, and pink skirt on that thing, we changed out the skirts five times on my bait and three or four times on the other ones that we had because it got bit so much. It, they're just a great bait. Well, we want to thank, uh, again, Daryl Primrose from Ballyhood. Now, you're not going to find Ballyhood lures in any of the uh, dealers here in Southern California, so you have to go and buy them online at ballyhood.com and see what we're talking about. And You can ca- talk to Daryl, too, and he'll give you the recommendations to make sure you're as successful as Stan was and hopefully Wendy. Hey, Stan, let's get to our first guest, okay? He's waiting on the line. Uh, you know, I met this gentleman several years ago. It was my pleasure to be the waymaster for the Gale Arms uh, Memorial Lobster Derby. And while Gale was still alive, it was the Lobster Derby. Gale, unfortunately, passed away a few years ago. And Bobby Arms, her husband, has perpetuated this event to make it a fun event. Well, this gentleman has won it at least one time and come in second a few other times. He is really an exceptional recreational hooper. I thought I'd bring him on the show and he can talk a little bit about his background and lobster hooping. Let's welcome to Rod and Reel Radio, Tony Sousa. Tony, welcome to the show. Hi, and thank you for being Hi, with John. us. Hi, John. Hi, Stan. By the way, John, it's Sousa, not the, not the tequila. Sounds it's Sousa. Just want to let you know. <laughs> Could go either way. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm going to turn this bottle around that's on my desk then, okay? <laughs> Roger that. <laughs> Tony, thank you. And you know what? You know, I, I know my memory is failing, but I think you corrected me on that when we had you on the show about four years ago. <laughs> Right, 2015, uh, when I was on the show. Yeah, I sure did. Uh, I didn't forget. But uh, Well, 
Yeah, that was a great night fishing uh, uh, last week. Uh, I just want to say Bobby Arms, man, he, he did a real excellent job. Him as volunteer down at the uh, outboard club. They had a good spread of food and, I mean, uh, accommodated all the fishermen. Everybody came back cold, and we had hot coffee and chili and all the fixing. So he did a really good job. I really appreciate what he's done over the years, that's for sure. Yeah, he's done a good job on that, uh, uh, Tony. But, hey, let's talk a little bit about yourself first because of the fact that, you know, I had talked about some of the things that, uh, you know, we had common interests in, like uh, the uh, uh, the uh, San Diego uh, Anglers and the Marlin Club and everything like that. But you go back when it comes to commercial fishing for a long time. Give, give us a little bit about your background, will you? Sure. Um, right out of high school, I started uh, uh, unloading uh, tuna sainers going down in the well and uh, unloading the big tuna, skipjack, uh, up in San Pedro, San Diego canneries. And I did that for uh, a few years, and I started tuna saining uh, right out of San Diego here. We would go to all waters, Chile, Central America, uh, outside waters, pretty close to Hawaii. So I did that for uh, I, I did that for uh, 20 22 years, and then in 1989, I started up in Alaska fishing crab. I worked my way up. I had a lot, I still have my license, but uh, I ran a crab boat up there. Uh, the Billiken, it was a 135-foot uh, house aft uh, vessel, and I did that and uh, fished in Russia. Um, pretty much fished a lot of fisheries. I gillnet out of San Diego also, and uh, I I stopped there in 2000 and uh mostly fishing uh around san diego now just having fun sport fishing okay what right. was the name of the boat you ran up in uh up in alaska it's uh it was the billiken billiken it's a lucky charm in uh in uh in uh the Aleuts. they use this little charm it's called a billiken but that's the name of the vessel it was a fish catch a crab catching boat that's for sure it was 135 foot uh and we held uh, 240,000 pounds of, of crab. And well, you ran that? How long did you run that thing for? I ran it for about four years. I did a season up in, uh, in Russia uh, on, a, uh, on a vessel with uh, Carla Fay. We were a catcher processor. We were uh, uh, showing, uh, introducing the Russians how to catch crab in their own waters and how to uh, process it, and then they were going to take over. Uh, within a year or two, uh, once they learned uh, how to how to do it, and uh, and uh, that's where uh, where we were fishing was uh, uh, west side of uh, it was in the Sea of Ox on the west side of the uh, Kamchatka Kamchatka uh, Peninsula. Wow. Tony, you uh, you were telling me too that uh, that boat was featured the first season of Deadliest Catch, even though I don't think you were running it at the time, but just quickly, can you tell us, is the the drama and the conflict and the the pain and the joy that you see on uh, Deadliest Catch, does, is that pretty much the way it really is, or is it uh, is it kind of worked up to, to make the drama a little more real for television? Yeah, I, I think so. But I mean, you can see the weather. You can't uh, you can't fudge that, you know. But it's it's actually a lot worse than what you see on TV, you know. Um, I've been uh, worst seas I've seen up there uh, in in was uh, sixty footers 
uh, you're working in 20-foot seas, you know, you're in the snow, uh, no visibility. Uh, that's before, uh, you know, the plotters came out when we were still using Loran Sea. And, you know, it was a pain sometimes. We couldn't find our gear in uh, heavy snows. But it's mm. pretty much what you see on TV. They they kind of put a lot of drama in it. We were more professional where everybody worked together and, uh, you know, got the job job done there wasn't any fights or anything like that so yeah it was it, it was pretty much the same i guess Great. well <laughs> you know well now we're uh, we're talking about a different crustacean uh, that you're uh, you're getting to here in san diego and and that's lobster hooping and and tell us a little bit about how you developed your your love for lobster hooping and some of the techniques that you employ because in talking with you and, and seeing your equipment, you've got a few different wrinkles that I don't necessarily see with a lot of the other recreational hoopers. Yeah, okay. You know, I started, uh, geez, back in the 70s when I wasn't fishing, when I was home and everybody wanted to eat lobster and, uh, uh, you know, it was in the 70s and that's when there was no uh, hoop net limit. Guys were out there with 20 nets, 30 nets. <laughs> And uh, but it was a handful of guys. It's nothing like it is now, and uh, that was in, mostly in San Diego Bay. And uh, guys would use the raw cod carcasses for bait. Never had a sea lion problem like we do now. Uh, but it was just regular, uh, you know. Before the conicals came out, it was everybody was using uh, flat nets, and uh, uh, there's still the same amount of bugs, uh, you know, lobsters back. Now that there was back then, you know, I, I've seen some good quality bugs come out uh, so far that we've been going out uh, two to three good, you know, two, three pounders. Well, let's talk uh, a little bit about the equipment that you use, Tony. And I, I first want to start off with the hoops themselves, because, you know, we are in an age where everyone is really sold on these conical nets. And, yeah, they're great nets, but yeah. I noticed you came in and all the nets that you had were more of the round hoopish type nets. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, is that a net that you were just using that night or is that a net that you prefer? That's a net I've been using for all these years. I made my own net, and uh, it's just a rebar 36 inch ring on the top and a small ring on the bottom. I actually uh, wrap it with a, uh, black rubber inner tube, tire inner tube, and uh, it's just like any other uh, regular hoop net. You know, I I just figure, you know, it's been working for me all these years. The lobsters are, are crawling down there, and they don't have any obstructions. They just walk right in. Once they do that, they just, they're in. Conicals, yeah, they work, but I'll tell you right now, I'll be going home two, three hours uh, before the conical guys do, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> Hey, Tony, we got a break for a commercial message. Uh, can I get you to stay on for uh, at least another segment so we can go into a little more detail about your sure. uh, hooping experience? And maybe you can pass some tips on to us without giving away the entire enchilada? Sure. No problem. <laughs> hey, you're listening to Ron Real Radio on AM540 or at ronrealradio.com. We've got... Tony Souza with us. He is an expert recreational lobster hooper. He's one of several of the 
lobster hooping events on San Diego Bay. We're going to see what we can squeeze out of Tony here in the next segment that maybe might help you be a better lobster hooper. But we're going to take a break right now. We'll be back after these messages. I can't wait to spend some quality time with my son fishing this year, teaching him about casting, how to choose bait, set the hook, and how to be safe on the water by always wearing a life jacket. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one fishing, hunting, and shooting sports retailer, now has 28 locations. Turner's is your one-stop shop for fishing tackle, hunting gear, and everything for shooting sports. Turner's offers a full selection and unmatched prices on the gear you need. Whether you're planning a fishing trip with the family or chasing giant tuna, Turner's highly skilled staff will make sure you have the gear for your next adventure. Visit turners.com to find a Turner store near you and be sure to join the Turner's Discount Club to get weekly ads and specials right to your inbox. Turner's Outdoorsman, your one-stop shop for all your fishing needs. Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters. The PTA design has the new PTXA frame. Lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag. Quantum fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619 466 8355. Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family, and friends? but are a little set back with what charter company to choose, we urge you to use American and family-owned Lands and Charters. Lands and Charters offers their passengers affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips. Fish with the latest of fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a long-time-owned family business. Go to LensandCharters.com to see all of their vessels and amenities available. Call Cobble Greg or Jenny at 800-281-5778 when you're ready for an action-packed Cabo fishing experience. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. Hey, Stan Vandenberg and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod Real Radio. Our special guest this segment is Tony Souza, and he is an expert recreational lobster hooper. And Stan, we you had a couple of questions or comments that you wanted to uh, aim towards Tony. Why don't you start us off? Yeah, since I'm not the expert 
lobster guy. <laughs> you know, you've got I know there's there's a bunch of different nets that are out there and that it seems it seems to me, you know, like what you've got the uh, a larger circle with a smaller circle on the inside and when you what's the distance between the the large and small circle? That first question. And then I've heard all kinds of things about is when you start to pull up the, the net, uh, you have to be quick with it. I mean, is that something that you have to be really quick with? How fast do they crawl out? And um, I've had guys tell me, you know, they just go by and kind of hook the thing with the boat and tow it to the surface a little bit or almost tow it away to, to get the, the lobsters trapped in it. But tell me a little bit about how that works. Sure, you bet, Stan. Yeah, the length that's uh, from the top to the bottom rings about 30, approximately 30 inches. And I use a number 18 mesh, I mean size twine, with about a uh, two-inch mesh. Uh, first of all, I just want to mention, uh, you know, everybody should always check their nets for rips. All it takes is one mesh uh, being torn where that lobster, a, a keeper lobster can just backpedal right out of that. So you got to make sure you... You know, guys close them up, either with twine or with a zip tie. I always check my nets after every uh, every trip, and if I see one little hole, I'll, uh, you know, sew it up. And, uh, yeah, you know, when, when we come up to our gear, we start pulling the string. It's like I always tell my partner, Frank, you know, I said you got to lock them in. Remember, lock them in. It's the first three jerks. You pull as hard as you can. It's like a one, two, three. And just start pulling as fast as you can up because sometimes they're on the outside. Even on a regular hoop net, you get a rider, or they're on the cross piece of the twine that holds the bait jar. Sometimes they're clinging on because they can just they can go out as fast as they can get in. So um, that's the main thing. You just got to pull really fast. Whereas the conicals, I know you can pull slower. They're usually in, but the thing is, if there's one on the outside, it'll come out. You know, a rider could be two or three on the outside. So hopefully that'll answer your question. Sure enough, Tony. Uh, uh, tell us, so you know, I've always been on the impression that the the round hoop nets are good for shallow water, and the conicals are good for uh, deeper water. But uh, uh, you kind of go against the grain on that. You're using the the round hoop nets uh, both in shallow and deep water, or do you not fish uh, uh, deep water? Well, I fi- I fish shallow and deep. Um, if there's, well, let me tell you, it's, it's all about the, the tide and currents. You know, Bobby picked the perfect night last Saturday. We had a low tide at 615. The bugs are always crawling, always crawling on the slack tide, the half an hour before, half an hour after. If you got any, any kind of strong current, they kind of dig in. I'm not saying you won't catch them, but you know, they'll, they just crawl better uh, when they're slack tying. Any, anybody usually will tell you that. We had a two-knot current that night in the beginning. And uh, I used uh, all the nets I used, uh, I had weights on. I had about a five-pound weight. As the net progressed, I mean, as the night progressed, we started doing pretty good. You know, I started taking them out. There was no, uh, there was no current. Um, we were actually done that night. or We had our limits at 7.20 that evening. Mm-hmm. We had our last pull, and I told Frank, uh, I told him, hey, we need three more. It caught up to us really fast. So we need three more. We got probably going to get in this pool. Sure enough, our second net, we got them. We still had uh, eight more to go. Wouldn't you know it, we had, uh, we had an extra seven keepers that we dumped all the nets. That's not even counting the shorts. 
So we were done uh, at 8 o'clock, and uh, we were heading back to the barn. Uh, Tony, let's do a little lobster fishing 101 here real quick. Uh, uh, sure. First of all, location. Uh, where do you try to locate your net uh, so that you're going to experience the best catch? Okay. Um, I used the same techniques when I was running uh, the billiken up in, Alaska, in the Bering Sea. You know, when you want to find crabs, same thing with lobster. You know, if you're if you're new to it, you know, and, and you know how you got your uh, – you want to locate uh, the, the lobster. You want to set across the edges to locate them. And then once you find out where they're crawling, if they're, say, for example, you're fishing 30 to 50 feet and you're catching them at, at 40 feet and you're setting across, you see that they're, that they're crawling on the 40-foot mark, not the 30. You want to put all your gear along the edge of that 40-foot edge. And... Uh, um, that night, uh, I believe we were fishing uh, anywhere from 43 to 50 feet that night. And there was a guy that was fishing ahead of us on the inside. And I know he went in with uh, two lobsters. So that plays a big factor. You want to you be on the right edge where they're crawling because they're, they're in packs. You know, you can get, we had nets that were coming up with, we were getting doubles and a couple triples. And that's why we finished pretty fast, but we're right on the right location. All right. Tony, when you, yeah, go on. I was going to say, Tony, when you do, when you're setting the traps before you, unless you kind of have a, a knowledge of where you're going already, but you don't know, on any given night, I'm guessing they could be in a different depth or crawl at a different depth, but do you set one at, you know, 40 or one at 50, 45, 40? Do you do a, a set of traps uh, at various depths first and then find where they're crawling? Well, I've been per- I do I've been doing it for a lot of years, so I pretty much know where the lobsters are. Sometimes there's some spots where, <laughs> you know, they're kind of dried up, where you know, they there isn't any more there. I don't know for for what reason, but they you know they creatures of habit. You know, they usually crawl in the same areas. Uh, but you know what, we what you want to do is if you know a lot of guys they set their they'll they'll put their string of ten in a straight line. You know, you don't have to put in a straight line. You can break it up and put two strings, put five at 40 feet and five at 30 feet. See where they're at. Um, zigzag them. You don't have to put in a straight line. Zigzag them. That way they're in different depths. Um, if you see that you're not catching anything, by the third pull, get the heck out of there and go, go to another location. Shuffle your gear. That's the main thing. If they're not crawling uh, in every net, you're not getting them, shuffle it. Just change it up. Uh, if you're pulling a string of 10 and you, uh, you're getting them at the last five at the end, get the five behind you and start putting ahead of those ones. You know, you got to be on the move. You got to shuffle that gear around to catch them. Tony, how long are you soaking your baits for? I've heard people that saying that for the most part, recreational hoopers soak their, uh, uh, their hoops just way too long. Uh, do you have any tips on that? Yeah, yes, I do. I think, um, you know, guys with conicals, they're, they're just too comfortable, and they, they figure they'll just let it sit there, and, you know, they'll gather up the crab, I mean lobster, and uh, they'll maybe stay on it for an hour or two. They go pick it up, and there's nothing in them, or it might be one or it might be shorts. Well, if you're on them, that night when we fished that tournament, uh, I think our first pull, we only got two. It's like I said, once that 
that current stopped, they started coming out, and uh, they started to crawl, and every net had had uh, bugs in them. And we went through the gear, all 10 of them, and I think it took us 20 minutes. We went right back to the other end and did it again, <laughs> and we did that for four times. And every time we go, uh, we had bugs in it, and that's why we finished at 7.20 that evening. Uh, we were doing whatever it takes to pick up the nets, so it took about 20 minutes each time. So uh, that's why we kind of finished fast, because we didn't stop. We didn't even have a chance to take a break and have a beer. <laughs> Let's, uh, <laughs> hey, don't you like a competition, Stan, where you can have a beer during the competition? This is uh, what's great about this. Uh, tell us, um, uh, let's talk about baiting. How about the uh, the bait cages, or do you use tubes? Uh, what baits do you use, or how do you bait them? And is there a way that you can keep the sea lions away from them, or are the sea lions just a given in this day and age? Yeah, Roger. Um, you know, I used to use the bait cages, the wire, and they just would mangle it up or rip them right out of the net. So, yeah, I've been using... Uh, tubes for gosh 10 years now you know i haven't fished for about two years yeah. to tell you the truth and uh you know my wife you know at the beginning of the season she she told me you know my wife barbie she said you better go out you better go out and get some lobsters because i'm gonna go down the street and pay 20 bucks a pound you know at the uh, point on seafood and uh and i said no don't do that i'm gonna go out don't worry don't worry i'm gonna go out so we went out a few times, and, you know, we, we got our limit each time. But anyway, uh, getting back uh, to the bait, uh, I do use the ABS, PVC, whatever you want to call it, the black tube. By the way, I use everything's black. It's got to be black. I don't like okay. using anything white. But uh, I use uh, about a 12-inch length of uh, ABS, and I cap it off. And then uh, the other end is a rubber cap, so... Uh, what I did was I drilled uh, half-inch holes, but I didn't space them out, you know, one here, one there. I riddled, riddled it. It just holes all over it. I get, I use sardines. I chop it up. I put the sardines in a bucket fresh, as fresh as possible. You want to use fresh sardines. Get a scraper. You just chop it up. Most guys do this. And start packing in that tube. I use a broom handle, a dowel, and just ramrod it in there. Just stuff it in there cap it off and I have a stainless steel clip and I hook it up to my uh, uh, on the top ring I have a uh, 42 twine going across with a loop and I just hook it up on there where it's suspended you don't want to put it on the bottom ring because the top part may uh, go over it where the lobsters would actually be on the outside but you know about the bait I tell guys all the time they're coming up to me what are you using for bait what are you using for bait and I tell them all the time it's sardines. See, up in Alaska, we would use herring. It's the best bait out there. It's oily fish, stinky. Well, we can't get it down here. What's the next best one? The best fish? The cousin. And that'd be sardines. And I'll tell you, the fresher, the better. And, uh, you know, salmon heads, cat food, leftover tuna skipjack carcasses, forget about it. You guys got to go sardines. Wow. And, you know, uh, Stan, did you have a question? No, I said that's good to know. I mean, everybody, I we're out there on the long-range boats, and, and they're all wanting to know if we want to keep the, the uh, skippy, you know, the skipjack for the guys that lobster fish because that's an oily fish, obviously, and it does 
as in it is odiferous <laughs> so i would imagine that's pretty good but you say sardine is better huh that's pretty great stuff yeah you bet some of these guys just gotta close their eyes and go buy go buy a half a scoop you know but i'll tell you you know if you do a lot of fishing during the summer save that bait because that's what i was using uh, in the beginning of the season here uh just left over it was just frozen and it worked just fine uh after i used it up and starting to go with the fresh so yeah you know, yeah, you know it, it works it works the best anybody that uses it can tell you that the department of fish and life is obviously they're doing a lot to you know, uh, keep track of the counts and everything like that. You say that you've been recreational hooping here for uh, 20 years, especially in San Diego. I, I know the first reference to lobsters in San Diego made was in 1835. So lobsters have been in the bay here for a little while. But have you noticed a decrease, an increase? Is it cyclical or some years are better? Are there patterns? And if so, what, what is the pattern? You know, um, I mostly fish San Diego Bay. I fish Mission Bay, Oceanside, um, Catalina. Now, that's the place to go. Catalina Island has the biggest, best-tasting uh, lobster is, if anybody ever has a chance. But anyway, San Diego is where I mostly hoop. Uh, I've even uh, hoop net in American Samoa when I was tuna fishing. Uh, Seattle, Tacoma for dungies. But San Diego Bay, for some reason, they're always filtering in. They're always filtering in the mouth of the bay there. And it, it's, I, I see new lobster, you know, it's like when I do go, I go, damn, where do these come from? And they're just filtering in every day, uh, night and day. And like I was saying at the beginning of the show, there's a lot of good, I see a lot, a lot of good quality uh, bugs out there, two-pounders, three-pounders, four-pounders. You know, I know some guys, I think a sport boat got a 10-pounder about a week and a half ago. Of course, we all throw those big ones in because they're breeders, but there's some big ones out there, let me tell you. Uh, right. Well, Tony, unfortunately, we've come just to the end of the segment, and, heck, I've hardly even been able to scratch the surface. Uh, can I ask you to come back in the not-too-distant future, and maybe after you've put another trip under your belt and we can talk a little bit about how the hooping is, you know, early in the season where we are right now and maybe how it is when we come to February or March to, to, to compare the two and, and talk about, uh, uh, you know, some of the, the, the changes and adjustments that you made. I, I'd sure like to talk to you about this again. Sure, John, no problem. I'll, I'll be doing, I'm going to knock off, probably start back up uh, after uh, Christmas here back in January. You know, I just wanted to mention before we sign off, you know, the first tournament that Bobby put on was in 2006. And uh, I remember you back then, you were the MC for uh, down there at the uh, OBC. And it was uh, my older brother, Philip and I, uh, we won first place, you know, later on that year, my brother passed away and that was, you know, it, it was the last tournament we did together. And, you know, I kind of lost interest after that. And, you know, and then, you know, then a couple of years after that, uh, Bobby's wife passed away and he kind of stopped. So, you know, it's good to get back uh, and doing it again. And four years ago, my younger brother and I, we did it and we won it. And, uh, you know, it was, yeah, I see no change. There's a lot of bugs out there and it's going strong. You know, right, one more question. I got one more. If you're fishing Catalina, you were fishing 40 feet here off the, off the outside of, the the harbor 
are you fishing 40 feet if you go to Catalina or do you go deeper or how does that work? When I did it um, a couple years ago, it was in 60 feet of water with five nets and uh, it was all three pound average. They were all big bugs. And then there was another guy about uh, 40 yards from me where he was uh, uh, fishing in 100 feet of water. But oh, in Catalina, you can go in the shallows. There, there's bugs all over the place and they're all big. Now I want to give an example real quick. I did it four years ago with my brother Mario, and we were fishing in the Central Bay, and we were we were fishing. Uh, we had ten in a line there, and we were fishing in deep water, and the guy, the, the other guy, was fishing about 40, 40 yards to our left. He went in with two, and we went in with uh, we had seven lobsters for twenty four pounds uh, that night. We won the tournament, Bobby Arms. But I just wanted to tell you, you just got to get on the right edge. It makes it really matters. If you're not on the right edge, you're not going to catch them. They might be just 40, 40 yards away from you. You just got to shuffle that gear. I guess, Tony, yeah. what, what you've been telling us here is what Stan and I and a lot of our listeners know. The time that we spend fishing, we grow relationships with our family, with our brothers, uh, with people we don't know. And we create memories. Unfortunately, a lot of our friends pass, but you have the greatest memories. And it has to do with fishing and the good times you shared. And it sounds like fishing has done that to you with your family and everything else like that. And that's, that's one of the reasons why we do it. That's right. And, you know, to show, uh, you know, to show these young guys how to do it and everything, that's why I have Frank. I'm showing them the ropes and, you know, I take out people that's never done it before, and we all have a good time. As long as we can right. take a break and have How a beer. Big a boat have you got too? <laughs> How big a boat do you do this on? Uh, 24-footer. There you go. With five or six nets? Uh, two people t- uh, with ten nets. Yeah, five, five nets per person, ten per boat is the, uh, per, is yeah, the limit. We were using ten nets. We, we had two people that night, yeah. Hey, hey, Tony, we've got to say goodnight to you. We've gone way, way uh, over time on this segment, but I look forward to seeing you down on the bay and uh, and good hooping to you and good fishing. And thanks a lot for spending some of your Sunday evening with us. And I, I need to ask you when we, we talk next time, how do you get Barbara to form those big rebar circles for you, for your hoop nets, Okay. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, John. My nets are are pretty pretty bad shape. <laughs> There's a couple that are ready to break. I got to reweb them, and I got to put some new rebar. So I got to put her to work. Okay. All right. Hey, we got to take a break right now. That was uh, Tony Susan, recreational lobster hooper. We're gonna have Tony back again because this was just way too much fun, and we didn't eat, we even we didn't scratch the surface. But we got to get along here right now. Stan and I were gonna take a break. We're going to come back next segment with uh, Rick Marin from H&M Landing. We're going to find out what's happened with the tuna that we're off our coast with this winter weather coming through. But stay tuned. We'll be back after these messages. There's nothing more peaceful than fishing. Just me, my pole, and some bait. Oh, and my life jacket, of course. I like fish, but I don't want to end up at the bottom of the water with them. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hi, 
This is John, and I'd like to invite you to the new Angler's Arsenal location in Lakeside, California. We put together a staff of experts that'll help you find the tackle and gear you need at a price you can afford. We carry all major brands, and if you need custom work done, we can do that for you with both rods and reels. How about servicing your old equipment? No problem. We can do it quickly, easily, at a price you can afford. We also do custom hand-poured plastics through Western Plastics. Design the lure of your dreams and catch the fish that have been getting away. So come and visit us in Lakeside. We're at 12255 Woodside Avenue. Or you can visit us at anglersarsenal.com. If you need to call us, we're at 619-466-8355. Our hours are Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. See you there. We all like to travel, whether it's for business or it's pleasure. But one thing we all like to do, it's save money. Well, we got a travel tip for you. Bill Boyce has put together a travel website for you that can save you a lot of money. You can become your own travel agent. The site is bookwithboyce.com. You're going to save yourself 5 to 35% on all nationally advertised travel rates. You want to uh, go to Mexico? You want to go to Hawaii? Bookwithboyce.com can offer you outstanding prices. And here's the deal. There's no surprises for accommodations, rental cars, or activities. So try bookwithboyce.com now and thank Bill Boyce later on. We want to tell our listeners a little about Bajo La Luna Restaurant, located within a lush hidden garden in the heart of Cabo San Lucas. This family-run restaurant offers patrons a selection of unbelievable tapas, the most delicious Mexican entrees, an outstanding selection of wines and crafted cocktails, and the most amazing desserts, all served in an upscale, casual, outdoors atmosphere at prices you'll find very affordable. When you visit Bajo La Luna, mention Rod and Real Radio, and there might just be a complimentary beverage served with your dining experience. Bajo La Luna is located right across the street from Cabo Wabo and offers free or valet parking. Get all the information you'll need to visit Bajo La Luna Restaurant on Facebook. Just click their direct link icon found on RoddenReelRadio.com. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the fishing boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart. Did you know that when you donate blood, you're not only helping others, you're also helping yourself. Donating blood lowers the risk of heart attacks in men by more than 70%, lowers the risk of developing cancer, and helps you maintain a healthy liver. So donate blood to help someone else and to help yourself. If you can't donate, you can still make a difference with the financial gift. It's the best way to give back. Hook, line, and sinker. And for more information and to make a financial donation or an appointment, visit sandiegobloodbank.org. That's the sandiegobloodbank.org. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor. 
Hey, Stan and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod Real Radio. Why don't you give yourself a great Christmas gift? Boy, book a trip down to Cabo San Lucas with bookwithboys.com. And then when you're down there, go down to Baja de la Luna or La Golondrina and visit with Sissy Plemons down there in, a ho- in her restaurant. She's going to give you a complimentary beverage for each person that goes there. And if you say you're from Rod and Real Radio, you get 10% off your bill. What a great Christmas gift. Uh, Cabo San Lucas and Bajo La Luna or La Golondrina restaurants. It's a great way to go this Christmas if you need to do something at the last minute. Hey, we are talking about a tremendous bite in 2019 here with the tuna we've seen off our coast, but we've had some winter weather come through. Let's get together with Rick Marin here from H&M Landing to find out is the bite still going? Did this winter weather change anything? Rick, how you doing tonight? I'm good, John. How are you? Good. Hey, what what happened out here this past week that we need to know about? Well, the last boat we had going out was uh, the Sea Adventure 80. They came back today from a two and three quarter day, which was just right in the teeth of the terrible weather we're having. But uh, <laughs> they still got uh, the pens and patties with some nice yellows on them. And uh, they actually picked up a couple of yellowfin, which is surprising. They kind of pulled a disappearing act last week, but the bluefin have been real strong up to now. I think they'll probably come back right after we get some decent weather. Look, next week looks like good weather, and hopefully those bluefin will be easier to find. They got some good uh, skipjack and rockfish for their passengers, too, but uh, the bluefin worked a little tough. It was nasty weather, but it made for hard fishing under the wind and sea conditions. But like I said, next week's going to be beautiful. The inshore guys yeah, have been doing that. real well. It's been the Hold on, Rick. Stan, you got a, cl- a comment? It's kind of been the pattern on that bluefin. When the cold weather comes in or storms come in, that stuff buries its nose in the mud, and it disappears for a while. You know, the yellowfin, they're a little easier fish to catch, and they'll eat just about anything, anytime, if you can find them, which is a good thing. But the inclement weather, as soon as it drops, the temperature drops and and the barometric pressure lowers, for whatever reason, they they seem to... To quit, but they may need sunshine. The sun shines for a couple of days, and all of a sudden they pop back up and go out in numbers. And it's, it'll be fun to watch this going into next year. How long that cycle keeps going? Well, that's a pretty traditional way to go for the bluefin. And they often winter over here. They used to do that for years, and people would just drive by them because they didn't have the gear for those big fish. But uh, the elephant, you know, it's getting kind of late. The water dropped uh, four degrees last week and dropped some more with this storm. So I wouldn't be surprised if they head down south and go to Cabo or something fun like that. But uh, it was a great <laughs> shot of those fish this year. And they, they were having a great run, good quality fish, better quality fish than we've had in the last few years, up to 60 pounds or so that I've seen, as well as a yeah. big lucan. Now, Rick, this is historically the time of the year when the uh, owners and operators, they schedule their boats for planned maintenance and they have them dry docked and everything. And so we're not finding is many boats going out and or available to go out, but there are still boats going on out. Can you tell us a little bit about what boats are going out for what and what the schedules might be? Oh, absolutely. Of course, you know, the premier, we have the half-day boat that goes every day. They've been having good rock fishing in the mornings. They're going to start their uh, uh, Mexican Waters rock cut fishing trips the 1st of January. Um, those have always been real popular because then the California uh, rock fishing shuts off, and it's kind of tough to fish around here. But uh, besides that, we have the Grande starting its Coronado Island trips again next week. Now, those are uh, passports-required trips, but they've been having good shots. And there's been a few yellowtail 
here and there up and down the coast too, which always add a little spice to things. We have whale watching for those of you who like to go experience nature in a whole different way. Uh, there's been a lot of bait out there in that those same ground, so that always tends to pull some whales in, not just the gray whales, which aren't necessarily a surface feeder. They ground on the bottom as much as anything else, but we've seen some grays already in quite a few humpbacks so far this season, so it's been pretty decent. And then, of course, the Old Glory's going to be running every night uh, until they go into the boatyard. So they've been really hot this year on the tuna, and I'm sure if there's anything around, Clay and Junior can find them. One thing that you know, I Rick- did mention to, for you guys to plan on uh, this year around Christmas, you know, you're always looking for some stocking stuffer of some kind. Well, we offer gift certificates where you pay $80, and they're valued at $100 when you go to use them. And they're good for anything, fishing tackle trips, anywhere, anything you want to do. And you can buy up to uh, uh, five of them. So you spend $400, you have $500 worth of whatever we have with the landing. Wow, that's a, a deal. Hey, but I am interested about what you mentioned about the Grande. Uh, what is the duration of the trip? And, and they're going out to the islands. I mean, uh, the islands have been you know, really completely ignored with this uh, tuna trip out there. There's there's a good chance there might be some big yellows lurking out there. There might be. We've had a few boats that are, have trickled down there from time to time and checked things out, and the water's been kind of iffy this season. Uh, there was a spot early on that was very good. We had great yellow television for about a week or two, and then it just kind of, all the tuna popped up, so everyone said, huh, who cares about yellow tail? We're going for yellow fin. But uh, a couple of them down there recently had really incredible rock fishing, not really seeing much on the yellowtail yet. But with only one boat down there, it's hard to look at everywhere where the fish can be. You get a few more boats down there or spend a little more time down there, and I'm sure they'll find some yellowtail. Wow. And what what's the duration of the trip uh, that the Grande? Is that three-quarter day? Is full day or yeah, what, that's, uh, Rick? That's, that's a full-day trip. It leaves at 5.30 in the morning, comes back between 5.30 and 7 in the evening. Like I said before, that is a passport required trip. Now you know there's a, a a lot of fishermen that they don't get a chance to go out that often, and they haven't been wanting to go out, let's say, on the day and a half or the two day or extended day trips, and they're they're waiting to go back to the islands, and they're hearing all these stories about bracelets and visas and permits and everything like that. Uh, Tell me, what do fishermen need to bring with them, and what can the uh, the landing supply so that you know there's no hassle going out there at all? There's absolutely no hassle. As long as they have a passport, we take care of everything else. We've got their permits included in the trip. The bracelets are included in the trip. So all we have to do is come on down. Very simple. Does the passport card work, too? The passport card does work, yes. But... but Driver's license don't work, even, right. even the new ones. You know, now we just had uh, uh, Tony Souza with us talking about recreational hooping uh, uh, experiences. But for people that don't have their own boat or, you know, can't throw from the shoreline, H&M Landing has a plan for you, and, and you can go hooping with them. What, what's that all about? Oh, yeah. we, we have the, uh, Alicia and the Jig Strike. They go hooping every night. Um, they provide the hoops. All you have to do is come on down and have a good time. They have the bait, they have the hoops, everything you need. For each ticket that you've purchased, you get uh, your uh, hoop for yourself. So anything that comes out of that hoop is yours. And the guys who are there to help you, it's really a good time. Something It's just fun to do. 
you know, what's the duration of that trip, Rick? Because a lot of people are going, man, I don't want to be out there until three in the evening or whatever it is. Uh, but oh, no, uh, no. It, it's they, fairly no, reasonable I, time frame, is it not? Yeah, it is about six at night to about eleven o'clock at night. Sometimes eleven forty-five depends on the currents, but uh, they don't go past midnight, so you'll be home at a reasonable time. You may have to get yeah. up and work when I do. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hey, and it makes it makes for a great date night too. I mean, it's inexpensive in comparison to taking a date out to dinner and all these neat types of things. You you go out hooping, uh, the two of you get a get a hoop, and you bring back a, a great dinner with you. And you probably find a lot of people doing that, don't you, Rick? Oh, really? It is. It's fun. It's kind of a, it's exciting, but with better eating as far as, as the uh, squid trips used to be. Everybody goes out just has a good time and they get something to eat or they if they get hungry they get a burger, they can stay warm in the wheel in the uh galley. It's just a fun trip. A lot of kids do it and uh we even have some people who just come to watch. Yeah, and and if you have absolutely no inclination to want to go fishing, but you happen to mention whale watching. What what's the schedule of whale watching? I mean, uh, it, do the boats go out all day? Uh, do you have to scrub the deck afterwards and and clean up, or uh, how does that work? No, we don't bring any whales aboard, so there's not a lot of cleanup. <laughs> but uh, uh, the trips are three hour trips. They run every day. Right now, the uh, legends running them, and uh, it's between thirty and fifty dollars per person, depending on the trip and things like that. But they're great fun. Something really to do with the whole family, especially this uh, winter season when people are out of school and things like that. It's a fun thing to do. And then hey, Rick, next what was week, the water? Oh, sorry about that. <clears throat> Just a so question here: What was the water temperature night. before the storm came in here, and we had this little cold front? You know, what was the water temperature? What was our water temp out there? It was anywhere between sixty-three and sixty-seven, depending on where you're going. So. 63 and 67? Uh-huh. All right. Well, we'll have to see what happens after this front comes through and what the water temp is at changes and, and watch what happens with the fishing then and see where that stuff moves to. Oh, yeah, definitely. That'll, it'll come back around. The bluefins have been here all year for the last few years. It just depends well, on how out, accessible it, they moved, are. it just moved. A lot of it moved from San Clemente there up Pyramid Head and then... And, went out to the butterfly out, out down south a little bit and outside, then come back around. That's, it moves it, it moves in, in force when it moves, but it moves around, right. and it's, it, all it does is take guys going out and looking for it to find it again. So we'll see. That's, that's exactly right. This time of year, you know, there's less boats out there because the people have other things to do besides fishing, and the few boats to get out there and get on them have had good seasons. All last year, the year before that, too. Times when we traditionally weren't really catching any fish, we were catching bluefin. Now, Rick, tell me if if one of uh, Santa's helpers would li- would stop there at H and M Landing and visit what you have there in the tackle store, uh, is there a good chance they could probably come up with something that uh, a fisherman would find uh, under the tree come Christmas Day? Well, the nice thing about this time of year, throughout most of the season. Uh, products have been hard to get a hold of because everybody's selling out so far. But we're getting back in stock on all these things: uh, Colt snipers, uh, for the tuna, fluorocarbon. Some of that's been hard to get until recently. So just about anything you need, that anything the fisherman needs, we have back in stock. And you might want to get him a new reel. But the thing to take advantage of: you buy those gift certificates, 
and you, you'd be like getting twenty percent off anything you buy. So that's a good deal. That's not a lot of margin on that. That's a real good deal. Uh, Rick, if uh, we want to get a hold of H&M Landing, we have a question for the tackle store, maybe a question about uh, the availability of uh, rods and reels to rent, the whale watching schedules, uh, what boats are going out during the weekdays and what are the weekends and who's going out for tuna. How's the best way to put this together in a package? You know, there's two really good ways to go. You can either book online you can go to our website hmlanding.com and it lists all the trips uh just every event and everything we have going on you have to use the shop online for some products and you can buy your gift certificates right online or you can call us at 619-222-1144 and we'll do everything we can to help you out all right rick Barron from h&m landing rick thanks a lot for that great report we look forward, you know, we're going to be having a little nicer weather, a little Santa Ana conditions uh, starting next week. So uh, maybe we'll see those tuna pop up again. Uh, if we can, let's check in with you again, and you can update us on exactly what's happening. All right, sir? Love to do it. Thank you, John. See you, Stan. You guys have a Merry Christmas. I don't talk to you beforehand. And, uh, yeah, I like those Santa Anas for the islands. A lot of times that really turns on any yellow, so it might be there. So keep an eye on that next week. And thank you very much. <laughs> We'll keep an eye on the counts. And thank you for the, the great report, Rick. All right. Stan, you had one more uh, comment. No, I just said Merry Christmas to Rick. You know, he's a great friend. He's a guy, if you're going to go down there to the tackle shop and you're going to go fishing out of H&M or any of the other landings, I think going in and talking to the guys in the shop, and he's one of the first guys I go and talk to. So he and Danny are my heroes down there, man. I go in, first thing I do is ask, start asking questions. What are they doing? Yeah, and, you know, I'd say go down in person, wish them a uh, happy Christmas. And if you have cookies, man, I know they're cookie hounds there. Hey, we're going to take a break. <laughs> we're going to take a break right now. Uh, coming up uh, next, we got Jimmy Decker coming on, and we're going to talk about an absolutely epic trip that Jimmy was part of going down to Mag Bay. So stay tuned. You're going to want to hear all the details. Stan and I will be back after these messages. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hi, this is John, and I'd like to invite you to the new Angler's Arsenal location in Lakeside, California. We put together a staff of experts that'll help you find the tackle and gear you need at a price you can afford. We carry all the major brands, and if you need custom work done, we can do that for you with both rods and reels. How about servicing your old equipment? No problem. We can do it quickly, easily, at a price you can afford. We also do custom hand-poured plastics through Western Plastics. Design the lure of your dreams and catch the fish that have been getting away. So come and visit us in Lakeside. We're at 12255 Woodside Avenue. Or you can visit us at anglersarsenal.com. If you need to call us, we're at 619-466-8355. Our hours are Monday 
through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. See you there. Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has the new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag, Quantum Fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355. Hey everybody, this is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by BajaBound.com Insurance Services. Are you driving to Mexico? You can buy and print out your Mexican auto insurance policy online in the convenience of your own home or office in minutes now with BajaBound.com's easy-to-use website. After printing your auto insurance, check out the BajaBound.com site. There, too, you will find great travel tips and information to help you get the most out of your next road trip south of the border. So this is an important fact to remember. Use BajaBound.com. It's the easiest way to find and get Mexican auto insurance. The warm weather is here and our lakes and rivers are brimming. Just remember, if you love California and you love to boat, please wear your life jacket. And make sure everyone with you puts one on, too. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hey, Stan and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod Real Radio. And just this note, uh, when you're looking at uh, BajaBound.com for Mexican insurance, if you're taking your boat down there, they also offer water liability insurance. So uh, go to BajaBound.com, especially if you're planning to go down south of the border for the uh, holiday. If you're going to the mainland, you're taking your vehicle down there, BajaBound.com is the way to go to take care of all your needs you're going to need down there. Yeah, hey, you have to have boat liability if you're going to take your boat down there. You've got to have it. You bet. Yeah, you don't want to get caught. And the, these, this is a simple, easy way to do it. I did it when I went down to San Quentin, and I, I, you know, it's foolproof. And away you go. And if you have any questions. The site helps you out tremendously. Hey, Stan, let's get to our next guest. Uh, A few weeks ago, uh, we were kind of alerted to an absolutely fantastic fishing trip. A group of individuals were on down out of Mag Bay, and I thought maybe we'd try to get one of the members of the crew to relate a little bit about how do you get on a trip like this and what some of the details were, because you're going to find this story totally amazing so I've asked Jimmy Decker to be with us. And Jimmy, welcome to Rod and Reel Radio. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Stan, you were so telling I, me before it was a story, you and Jimmy go way back. Well, you know, we fished around, <laughs> whatever. I've, I've, uh, 
I've been fishing a long, long time. Jimmy fishes a lot of the uh, the coastal stuff and the tournaments outside here. The uh, the talic bass and bay bass fishing stuff, and he's a star out there, man. He catches them. The guys on the the uh, bad company, the owner, he's uh, one of the guys that actually fishes our trout tournament up in the Sierras every once in a while too. So played golf with him and, and fished with him. But I'll tell you that the the thing that you guys have been here, I wanted to be on that boat with you guys. <laughs> that, it that was an amazing, amazing trip. trip. What were the dates? Was that? Was yeah. say, what were the dates you're down there, Gene? We went, what was it? It was the right before Thanksgiving, I believe. I'd have to look in my calendar. No, it was the... 7th, 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th of November is when it was. Well, Jimmy, tell us, how did this whole thing uh, come together? Is this something that you've done with uh, uh, Anthony uh, uh, Shea before on the Bad Company? Uh, uh, Have you made outings like this before? And tell me, how, how did the planets align that you guys were at this place at this time? Oh, wow. I've I don't know how Anthony put this group together. Uh, I was fortunate enough to, uh, I fished with Steve Lasley, his captain that's been with Anthony for years and years and years. I've gotten to be a pretty good friend with Steve and I've, uh, I've actually worked deck on uh, Anthony's 60 foot biking when he's had some guests going over to, to Catalina to kind of help him get around there a little bit. But, uh, I think Anthony just wanted to get a group of guys that he he liked and had never fished with before uh, together to go on a trip that he'd been planning. We were, he tried to do this trip last year, but it didn't work out. And uh, he got a hold of a you know a hodgepodge of guys. We had all never fished together. I mean, I I fished with Eric Landon's fine constantly, and I I fished with JD you know John Dougherty a few times from JD's big game, but. I had never fished before with Jock or Charlie Albright, who are two, you know, great friends of mine. And I had never fished with uh, Greg or Michael Stokesbury, which I've known for, you know, Greg's been with AFCO since he was a kid. I've known both of them for for years. And then Anthony brought a, a IGFA rep out from Florida and uh, Carrie, Carrie, uh, gosh, his last name just slipped me, but he's like a famous artist out of Florida and he, he got a hold of everybody and, and to see if the timing worked, and it did. And he, he got us all together, and we we left for Tijuana. We we all flew together down to uh, Loretto, and then we took a van to Mag Bay. And Lasley knows the 95-footer up to the seawall there, and we all hopped on, and the journey was on. What well, was was the boat originally down in Cabo San Lucas for the Bisbee or the Tuna Tournament, or how how'd the boat uh, position itself that you're aware of? The the 95 stays in Cabo uh, in San Jose, and then the uh, the 144 uh, left Newport Beach. I think the week before we all rendezvoused down there, and uh, there was a good weather window there for traveling, so they. They cruised that down to Mag Bay, and I think they both got into Mag Bay the day before we arrived. All right, and and 
How did it come about getting this together? I mean, did you know that there was something special happening down there? Or did you guys think, well, listen, we've got this extraordinary group of fishermen and we want to get together and and fish in this part of the world. And let's just go there and see what's happening. Anthony wanted to try to set the record for the most released marlin in one day by a boat. And up until... Uh, I forget the name of the boat, but it was like 167, and it had been at 167 for a couple of years. And then it was a Caliente, uh, Caliente yeah. with, with the Bracken. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the game changer came up in uh, October, and they put on like I don't know what the number was, but we thought it was phenomenal. It was like 240 for a day releases. So we were like, oh, man, 240, that's a, that's a big number to try to do in a day, you know. And, uh, and, and, but that, that was the goal of this trip was to try to originally was to try to break the, the, what was the old record of 167 or 187. I don't, I don't really know the, the exact number. And that's, that's one of the reasons that Anthony had Jack on the boat, the IGFA rep, was to be able to make sure that, you know, the tackle was all legit. The releases were correct. You know, we were using the right hooks. You know, all the rods were set up properly, you know, and uh, and that way. But uh, fishing started off, I mean, if you wanted me to jump into the day that we did it, we did it the first day we all fished together, which was really? pretty phenomenal because everybody was fresh. All the gear was perfect. Everything was rigged right. You know, both boats were full of bait, and it just, you know, everything lined up that first day for just a, the, for the most epic marlin fishing day I've, I probably will, will ever see in my life. Jimmy, how did you <clears throat> prepare for this with regards to bait and gear and everything like that? Did everyone bring their own gear? Were you expecting that you were going to be doing a lot of trolling? Was it going to be bait fishing? And then how did you go about getting enough bait in order to attempt to catch these, the, the amount of fish that you did in the small period of time that you caught them in. Right. Well, Steve, on his way up from, uh, from Cabo, filled up the 95, their bait tanks on that boat. And then Charlie Albright and Jock Albright spent a full day snagging bait at the Newport Harbor mouth and shuttling it back to where the 144 is slipped at, uh, at Anthony's house before the trip down. So we had both boats completely full of mackerel. We knew that there was going to be basically no trolling involved. Everything was going to be off the pointy end of the boat. It was all going to be casting, you know, and that, that's one of the reasons I think uh, Anthony put the group of guys together that he did because they're all good Southern California Marlin fishermen and the style in Southern California, you know, there's a lot of that dropback stuff, but a lot of it's eyeball fish, you know, seeing stuff in the gyros or spotting feeders or sleepers, stuff like that, and, and casting to them. <clears throat> Excuse me. The, the boat had, I'm going to say, maybe 12 setups, 30 to 30, 40-pound setups. I brought down four setups for Eric and I. Uh, Jock and Charlie brought down four. Uh, the Stokesburys brought down three. So there was, you know, there was plenty of plenty of gear on the boat for when we uh, when we started fishing. But the, the 
the pile, the wood pile, we called it, after the fourth day of rods and reels that were up on the upstairs deck was pretty impressive of gear that had just gotten destroyed after, you know, the final total after four days was 900 fish. Oh, uh, so Jimmy, were you what, using what, two? Oh, go on, Stan. So, Jimmy, what are you doing for which, what kind of rod and reel combo were you using and what pound test were you throwing? Then, then you had a leader that you had to put on there to, to, to grab. How did you go about this? What was the, the scenario you were dealing with for the rod and reel line test and then the leader situation? You know, you can, you can once you grab right. a leader, it's a caught fish. How does that work? Well, most of the rods were eight foot casters, like they'd be like whatever a uh, uh, eight foot M or eight foot ML. Even we were using rain shadows. Most of the reels were uh, like a twenty five. We we were fishing pen twenty five narrows. There were some of the same size Shimano reels on the boat. It was pretty much all Shimano and pen. <laughs> it was thirty thirty to. Uh, it was mostly all thirty and forty pound mono to a. Uh, 25-foot section of 60-pound, uh, uh, what were we using? We were using soft steel, 60-pound leader to a small, uh, like, spro swivel with a little piece of four-foot and a circle hook in front of that. We'd have, usually there were seven guys fishing, sometimes uh, seven in the bow. J.D. And, and Woody sometimes would be dropping, skipping dead baits on the back while we would be you know, Steve would be running back up on the meatballs, but uh, the 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 rods, the leaders were all marked off either with a marking pen or some wax tape or a wax thread so that the leader guy knew, get down, pop it off. Seven guys fishing, and we had four guys that were rigging at all times. You, oh, you cast out, wow. hang a fish, get it to leader, break it off, set the rod down on the four, on the casting deck in the bow, grab another rod out of the rod holder on the tank, pin on a mackerel, throw it back out. I mean, I, I saw Eric Landisfine release probably, what was it? I think he did four or five fish in, in five minutes. Wow. Hey, Jimmy, we got to take... You were down there. Oh, go ahead, John. I'll yeah, come guys, back hey, uh, we got to take a break. Jimmy, can you stay with us for a little bit longer so we can oh, continue this no incredible story? No problem. Hey, uh, you're listening to Rod Real Radio on AM540 or at rodreelradio.com. Stan and I are talking with Jimmy Decker, and he's telling us about an unbelievable experience he had on the bad company outside of Mag Bay, where they set a world's record for the most marlin released in a day and maybe even in a four-day period. You're going to want to hear a lot more of the details, but we got a break for now. We'll be back after these messages. I got a garage full of fishing tackle, and every time I get out on the water, I realize I forgot something important. But I never forget my life jacket. I make sure my buddies wear theirs, too. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. 
Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth, moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one fishing, hunting, and shooting sports retailer, now has 28 locations. Turner's is your one-stop shop for fishing tackle, hunting gear, and everything for shooting sports. Turner's offers a full selection and unmatched prices on the gear you need. Whether you're planning a fishing trip with the family or chasing giant tuna, Turner's highly skilled staff will make sure you have the gear for your next adventure. Visit turners.com to find a Turner store near you and be sure to join the Turner's Discount Club to get weekly ads and specials right to your inbox. Turner's Outdoorsman, your one-stop shop for all your fishing needs. Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the sports boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart the San Diego Blood Bank. Fishing for a way to make a difference in your community? Consider donating blood or making a financial donation to the San Diego Blood Bank. Your gift will impact medical research, revolutionize how we improve health and treat disease, and most importantly, give the gift of life. But we can't do it without you or without your help. Visit sandiegobloodbank.org to make an appointment or to give a financial donation today. It's the best way to give back. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor. Hey, everybody. This is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419. Or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. I always wear a life jacket when I'm on the water because I'm lazy. I like floating like a giant turtle covered with SPF 50. The life jacket does the work. I highly recommend this to everyone. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Hey, Stan and I, we want to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. We're speaking with Jimmy Decker, and Jimmy Decker was part of a crew on Bad Company that uh, just a little bit after the Thanksgiving time, Traveled up to uh, Baja de Los Angeles. They got word that uh, there were some record amount of marlin to be caught out there. And they thought they could go out and maybe set a new record. And, and Jimmy, in asking you, you had an IGFA representative with you. In order to set the record, was there a time frame? Did you have to fish from 6 in the morning to 6 in the evening? Or was it a 24-hour day? Or what was the time frame in order to qualify for some type of record? Uh, I'm not sure what the actual time frame was. Our, our days were dusk to dawn. The four days, the four days that we, uh, we fished down there, we, 
the first day, the day we did the three thirty, the big day, we were actually off out of the harbor early. We were in the we left in the dark, but all the other days we were actually not rolling out of the mouth of the estuary till about six thirty, seven o'clock. Now uh, you were saying, Stan, and it brought to our attention that uh, you were fishing with leaders, and you did not bring the fish obviously aboard, but you brought them to leader, which means where your main line met your leader. How long was that leader, and how, you know, how did it go about being registered as an official catch? And were there a lot of fish that you caught during that day that didn't make it to leader? There, there were some fish that didn't make to leader. Those were, you know, the San Diego long release, you call them, you know, that weren't counted, you know, <laughs> fish that were just, you know, a little too tough or were taking a little too long or, you know, for one reason or another were lost before they were, before they were brought both sides. Everything was IGFA. We're fishing uh, under 30 feet, uh, over, over 20 pound chest. You're allowed 40 feet with a 10 foot double, 30 feet of, of a leader or wind on it. We were fishing. Like, I think most of our stuff was set up at 28 feet. So we would be, uh, so that we'd be legal. And then, uh, we had a clicker and Jack was there when the guys were, uh, were leadering the fish. And, you know, once the, once the, the mark came through the rod tip, you know, whoever was nearby or the leader man, or even Jack would reach down and, and pop it off and give the rod to the rigger. And then he'd put on another, Usually all, everything broke at the swivel, so it was just a quick tie. We had all the circle hooks already smelled on, and it was just a quick connection to the swivel, and you were right back in the water. What size uh, uh, circle hooks were you using? And you said you were using mackerel, and as I understand from one of the reports, over the four days you went through almost 4,000 mackerel. I mean, were these all alive, or were you just – throwing chunks out there and getting bit and away you went uh the the first most i'd say 95 percent were caught on live mackerel and then uh there was there was a, a lot of fish caught <clears throat> uh, excuse me off the back of the boat where we would throw the dead ones in a pan, in a bucket and they would go to the stern and then when steve would be you know We'd have, you know, fish hanging on the bow, and Steve would keep bumping the boat in gear to keep the bait ball in casting distance, and the guys in the back would be skipping the dead baits, and they were hanging fish off the back of the boat right and left. The, the volume of fish that was down there for that week was just uh, amazing, absolutely amazing. And you know what? what what's, go on, Stan. I was going to say, identify what kind of a boat you were in there because you know a lot of i mean we know who bad company is if we're around here but for people that are listening what is bad company what were you fishing out of i i think the 95 is a delta i'm i'm i think that's what it is i'm not sure i know the i know the 144 the mothership's a trinity it's a a, a very luxurious sport fishing yacht you know is the best way to describe it i mean it yes it, it is it's it's an amazing boat. If you go to, uh, you know, Bad Company Sport Fishing or, or you know, look at Anthony Shea on Facebook, you'll be able to see exactly what we were fishing on board, you know. Or, or Kerry Chan, he's, he's the, the guy from Florida. He's got a lot of good videos and pictures up of the trip on his Facebook page as well. So I got to tell but, you, yeah, we, went we, through, were down we went through there. a lot, was... a lot, a lot of mackerel. I mean, a lot. So while I was down in, in Cabo 
for until the almost the end of October. And that Marlin moved into outside of Mag Bay there early, and there was a huge concentration of that stuff. And <laughs> I just happened to be on the Independence on the same time that, that Bad Company was down there, and we were just outside of Mag Bay and went inside. And, and as we came around you guys while you were fishing, um, I yeah, I went, well, gee whiz, that's, we got on the tubes. And I go, that's Bad Company right there outside. I mean, they're all, everybody goes, oh, well, they're probably wahoo fishing i know they're marlin fishing but on the on the sprout of the boat on the on the bow there were six guys fishing and i and, and i couldn't tell how many of them were hooked up at the same time but we were we were trying to get away from the marlin they were so thick down there we had uh, we had six we had five or six troll baits out all marauders trying to keep away from the marlin and had every one of them go off with the marlin trying to get away from them um, right on. I remember seeing fish... you guys when you went by us. Yep. I, I remember seeing you guys when uh, when you guys went by. Yeah, we uh, we found one bait ball that was close to one of those high spots just outside of where you saw us, where all the baits that went off of the bow to the bait ball, <clears throat> where we saw the marlin come up, all got wahoo bait. Yep. So there's a there's a there's a reverse one for you. We were trying to catch marlin, and the wahoo attacked all of our baits. Everybody came well, back with half mackerel, <laughs> and you guys are you guys are dragging marauders around for wahoo, and you're getting covered up by marlin. Now, Jimmy, nuts. were these all striped marlin, or were they a mix of uh, different species, or what? We had, uh, I think, we had three or four sailfish for the trip, and everything else was was all striped marlin. No blue marlin, uh, no wahoo, a couple stray dorado, and then everything else was just uh, was straight stripers. Now, with all that gear, did you have people that were specifically doing setups with you and leaders and everything else like that? Were you doing your own leaders? Because, yeah. man, uh, that's I a lot of leader material and a lot of hooks. It, it, I like using my gear, so I, I would, you know, Unless I was something that was going to take me more than, you know, 20 seconds to do, I would go ahead and, and rig myself back up. But we usually had three or four guys that, was, that were doing nothing but, but tying, tying gear. The first day when we did the 330, there were actually times when we had seven guys standing there waiting for a rod to get tied back on because everybody was going through fish so fast that, you know, the 14 setups that we had were all completely naked at one time. And we're waiting. And then that's when everybody started tying back up to get caught up. And then we went right back at it. But so yeah, what it was, you're telling was, us I mean, it was is, a full team effort, you know, from everybody. If you weren't catching, you were tying. If you weren't tying, you were leadering. You know, I mean, it was, it was a de- definitely a, a, a team effort to get that 330 on that first day. So what you're you telling know, us is if you had been more efficient – and been able to get the flow going with leaders and the complete rigs, there's a chance that you can still eclipse that 330 fish total for one day. We, we definitely, okay. I'll, I'll, if you got a couple of minutes, I'll go into the first day where we did the 330. Sure. Go. We, we, go we left early because Steve wanted to get down to where the area had been, which was off of Tosca, which was a little ways down below. So we, uh, 
we got down there and we, you know, we put the chains out and, you know, we had three or four sets of, of gyros and we were all looking around and we're looking around. Everybody's all, I mean, everybody's just pumped. It's Christmas morning, you know, we're on this bitching boat, all these great anglers, all the gears ready. And we're traveling and looking and pulling the teasers and, you know, all the, all of a sudden it's nine o'clock and we haven't even seen a marlin yet. We've been at it since dawn. Not a fish. Finally at nine, we Steve peeled off from there and we and we ran up up and out. Finally started seeing some life and got into the fish. Started hanging fish at nine forty-five. At one o'clock we were out of bait and we were at like <laughs> two hundred <laughs> two hundred and ten fish and we're out of bait. Steve calls Danny, the captain of the one forty-four, who's in mag. He pulls the anchor, drives down to Tosca. We run in, meet him there, offload all the bait we had on the on the 144 onto the 95, got back out to the zone where we were. That killed an hour and a half of our fishing day, where we didn't where we were not even fishing. Got back out to the fishing grounds at 2:30. And then from two thirty till we rent we till dusk, we did another hundred and twenty five fish or something, and that got us to the to the magic number at three thirty for the day. But we didn't catch a marlin before nine thirty, and we took an hour and a half out of the prime fishing time of the day to run in and rebate. So if you, you know, if we would have had it set up a little bit better, or maybe stopped fishing completely and had everybody go to Yozuri's and, and try to try to snag up a whole nother tank, a boat full of bait. You could, you know, on a day like that, you could probably get, you know, somewhere in the mid four, four fifty range. If you had the fish biting like that. Well, if you had, if you'd have had the big boat out there with you and you could have just, you know, had them for the bait boat alone, it would have been a whole right. different story. I got to tell you, cause I was, as we cruised through the area there, you could not look into the water and not see marlin. I mean, they oh. literally, as you drove through, because we we drove right past them. I mean, we were within a couple hundred yards of the guys while they were fishing and catching these fish, and uh, and and we were around that area for quite a while watching them. It was pretty comical watching these guys catching marlin because we didn't want them, and we were catching them. We didn't want them, but uh, right, but. There were hundreds and hundreds of fish just swimming. You could see them on the surface in in pods coming through where there was ten or twenty of them in a in a in just one little pod cruising. I mean, it was nuts how many fish were out there. It, it's amazing the the amount of fish that were down there. the The one thing that I will say about our day one total was we were very very lucky. <clears throat> the average size of our fish on day one was probably a hundred. 110 pounds, maybe a couple Good. under, maybe a, maybe a few over. So they were, once we got the hang of how to get them to bite close to the boat, it got a lot easier. I mean, the first day when we did the big numbers, I think Anthony had 70, Ooh. 70 wow. and just himself. Jimmy, uh, this uh, this uh, segment's going by way too quick. We got a break for another commercial. Can we impose on you to stay with us for just a little I'm, bit longer? I'm in Payson, Arizona with my kids and my mom and dad, so I, I, I'm totally fine. If you guys want me to hang out, I got nowhere to go. 
Well, we we got a couple more minutes to fill up, and there's still a lot of questions to ask. So if you can't stay aboard, we'd love it. If you've got to go, knowing that you're with your family, I can understand that too. Okay. Oh, no, it's it's all good. I'll be here when you come back. All right. Hey, Stan and I are talking with Jimmy Decker, talking about just a fantastic trip he was uh, on with uh, uh, Anthony uh, Shea uh, on the Bad Company, uh, a day that they'll probably remember for a long time. But we're finding out maybe a day that can be duplicated or even bettered in the future. So stay tuned. There's more Ron Real Radio to come after these messages. This is John, and I'd like to invite you to the new Angler's Arsenal location in Lakeside, California. We put together a staff of experts that'll help you find the tackle and gear you need at a price you can afford. We carry all the major brands, and if you need custom work done, we can do that for you with both rods and reels. How about servicing your old equipment? No problem. We can do it quickly, easily, at a price you can afford. We also do custom hand-poured plastics through Western Plastics. Design the lure of your dreams and catch the fish that have been getting away. So come and visit us in Lakeside. We're at 12255 Woodside Avenue. Or you can visit us at anglersarsenal.com. If you need to call us, we're at 619-466-8355. Our hours are Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. See you there. Hey, bass fishermen, who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262 or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for BASSBOAT insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. Attention Rod and Reel Radio listeners, be sure to check out the Code Group mobile app. You can listen to the Rod and Reel Radio show live along with show archives without internet access. The Code Group app has all kinds of cool features for fishermen including daily Southern California saltwater reports, weather reports, episodes of inside sport fishing, marine traffic, and much more. Get the free Code Group mobile app by texting the word REEL, R-E-E-L, to 90407, or enter the words code group in the App Store on your smartphone. Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family, and friends, but are a little set back with what charter company to choose? We urge you to use American and family-owned Lands and Charters. Lands and Charters offers the passengers affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips. Fish with the latest of fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a long-time-owned family business. Go to LensAndCharters.com to see all of their vessels and amenities available. Call Cobble Greg or Jenny 
at 800-281-5778 when you're ready for an action-packed Cabo fishing experience. He's not just my fishing buddy. After 30 years, he's a brother, and I'd sure hate to lose him. His bass boat's got nothing to do with it. So I make sure both of us wear a life jacket. Save the ones you love, even if they don't own a fancy boat. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Rod and Reel Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available, or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at roddenreelradio.com slash archives, and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. Yeah, man, uh, Stan? Hey, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. Before we get back to Jimmy Decker, uh, Stan, uh, you've been told about a new benefit that Land's End Charters has when you uh, book with them. Yeah, Greg has done a great job uh, of trying to service his clientele. He now has processing for your fish. So you can get your fish, you know, flayed, cryopacked, and actually flash frozen or whatever you need to do, but packaged for you by the the guys at Lands End Charter where the rest of them normally they'll they'll you have to ask by the way if you're down in Cabo San Lucas and you get Dorado or Yellowtail or tuna or whatever it is and you want to have it filleted, you better ask them how much ahead of time. And then when they do it, they're going to put it in a shopping bag and say, here, tie it off, and good luck, because it's not really done well. <laughs> You're going to have to trim it yourself. Not so with these guys. They got a new processing deal. They can cryopack it and flash freeze it for you, but it's the only opportunity down there. I think Greg's done a great job with this. So Land's in Charters, just taking it to a new step, and I think that's pretty cool. Between going to La Golondrina and, and or Bajo La Luna and telling them, hey, um, I want the Rod and Reel Radio deal. You get 10% off your meal and a cocktail or a glass of house wine. we got some pretty great deals going down there with our advertising. And, Stan, just talk about a great deal before we get it back with Jimmy Decker. Uh, hey, you know, we have Captain James Nelson on the radio show every now and again, and he is offering a special deal on gift certificates that you could put under the Christmas tree. You get a gift certificate, he gives you a discount, and you use it in 2020 to go fishing on the bay, go fishing on our local offshore waters, or even go fishing inland and on the lake. So give the fish icon, James Nelson, a call at 619-396-6799, or visit James Nelson on Facebook and get a hold of him there. Hey, we're with Jimmy Decker. He was telling us a little bit about an absolutely fantastic trip he was involved in on the Bad Company with um, uh, Anthony uh, Shea and a group of fishermen. Uh, a record-setting number of marlin caught, and not only one day, but a four-day period. And and Jimmy, uh, tell me, is is the number of marlin you guys ran into, is this a, a cyclical thing, or from what you can tell, is this maybe the new norm down there? I don't think it's the new norm at all. I think that that you kind of got to be involved with uh, what's going on in fishing. Anytime you get involved with, I don't care, tuna or marlin or whatever. But that fish moved in uh, outside of Mag Bay there, and the boats that were on it that knew about it, it was uh, it was incredibly, <laughs> incredibly good fishing. 
their timing, I think, was the most impeccable. Uh, everybody that was involved knew that that fish was down there. So, you know, getting the crew together and getting those guys down there, they did a great job on on uh, the boat of getting the people involved and being able to to get that kind of numbers. It was for us to be down there and watch. I didn't know I was watching history. <laughs> We were cruising around and watching them, going, look at all, those, all the guys on the on the front of the boat. I mean, they're all bent and, and pulling, and I and we were laughing at them. We didn't know how good it was. So that being said, man, you just want to be a part of that. I didn't know I was watching history. All right. Hey, Jimmy Decker is back with us. Jimmy, we're sorry we uh, dropped the call on that. I, I was asking I, I, you, that the, was the people fault. that have... If the people have been down there, is the number of fish that are down there right now, is that cyclical? Is that maybe a new norm? Is it because of what the Mexicans are doing to enhance the fishery down there? Any any thoughts on what's happening there? It, 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 every year it's good down there. You know, all the, all the guys from up here, Southern California, they all travel down there. End of September... You know, usually it's through October, the beginning of November. It's, it's, it's a world-class fishery, you know, for those, you know, two or three months. All that bait gets in there. The marlin come in there, and, and, uh, and it's just, you know, the best striped marlin fishery anywhere, you know, that I know of. The, the one thing that I found very interesting, and I, I know Stan probably saw this, was the eco-tours now that are going out there with divers on the pongas that want to go out there and swim with the marlin that are out there. They're, they're taking the guys out. They're sliding off the bow and, and having some in length discussions with, with Steve Lasley, you know, he, <laughs> he, he seems to think that, you know, a couple years from now and, we might be seeing some Mexican government regulation as far as allowing the boats to come down and fish in there. If this eco industry takes off for the locals there to take the divers out there to look at them. Wow. You know, the, the, the wild thing about Mag Bay, people that don't know Magdalena Bay is about the size of the County of Los Angeles total. It is a large estuarial area that the when the tide goes in it's it's deep in some areas and shallow in others but everything in that eats is in there i mean all kinds of of fish go in there and the bait fish that's in there is crazy that's where the boats go in to catch their mar their mackerel when when the incoming tide goes in all of the fish go in there and all that bait fish goes in when that tide goes out you gotta you gotta understand it's a small opening the 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 area is not real large going in and out on the on the south end that's where these guys are fishing that's the deepest side when the water and the tide goes out it creates a tide flow of about six to eight knots and sometimes it, it i mean it really there. comes out of there quick and all of that bait fish comes roaring out of there and every big fish in the ocean stands on the other side of that hump and just eats what's coming out yeah, that's exactly, what exactly. Now, Jimmy, you had an IGFA representative over there. Was there some type of a record uh, set that is going to be recognized with them? 
I'm not sure I'm going to have to find out from Jack about that. That was, that was one of the reasons we had him on board was so that, you know, they couldn't call BS on us when we, if we did end up getting a day like we did or the four days like we did and, and put those kind of numbers up where guys could say, Oh, we're, you know, you were long, long releasing everything or, or it was an IGFA or, or this or that, but We'll have to see. I mean, if it could go in the Guinness Book of World Records, it could go in the IGFA Book of World Records. I mean, it's a coin toss right now, as far as I know. Well, records are meant to be broken. So I guess the next question is, is there another trip like this planned for next year, or is there talk about it? The the, the trip that is planned for next year, believe it or not, is uh, – uh, Australia and New Zealand. I guess there's a bank out there where the striped marlin, you know, on that side get to be, you know, anywhere from 250 to 350 pounds is the norm, is the size of the stripers <laughs> there. So when we got done with our trip in Mag Bay, the 144 went down to Costa Rica to meet Anthony's other bad company boat, the 60 foot Viking. Those are both being loaded onto a container ship and taken through the canal, and then they're going to start their journey uh, up to the South Pacific, where we're going to, that same group of guys, believe it or not, uh, we're all going to meet over there in uh, June of 2020, and we're going to go and see what we can do on those big boys over on the other side. You're actually going after bigger fish. Weren't you tired enough after the first day of catching 330 marlin in one day? Now you got to go out and catch fish twice the size. It, it was it was just such an adrenaline rush that it it you know <laughs> I I've been more sore chucking and winding for a 40 fish calico bass day than I was at the end of the day <laughs> after we did 330. You know. <laughs> And I, I bet you it, your thumb was wasn't as torn up either. The whole day, and it kept everybody going. Uh, Jimmy, it just sounds like it was a totally fantastic trip, and I, I, I need to give special thanks uh, to uh, uh, you know Anthony Shea for uh, you know helping me track you down and a couple of guys to have on the the show. He's not available himself right now, but what a what a great experience um, this was. And uh, have you ever experienced anything like this before? No, and I, and I seriously doubt I ever will. It was, it was to be with that group of anglers and uh, the hospitality of Anthony Shea for that trip. I mean, it, it, a trip of a lifetime is used, you know, over and over by certain people. But this really was actually, you know, I can't imagine another fishing trip that's even going to come close to that one that we just did. Now, it's a bad Go on, Sam. Just, just to be involved with that element, because, you know, I was saying, you know, when we had that little break there where maybe I, you could hear, maybe you couldn't. But I had no idea we were watching history as we drove around and because uh, we were down there watching you guys with when I was watching six or seven people all standing on the bow, all casting a bait. And I go, man, these guys are pretty serious about their marlin. But there were so many fish out there. And and watching the the whole bow bit basically, <laughs> it was yeah. it was an amazing thing. But to be involved with that, Jimmy, is you know these are once in a lifetime deals. A lot of the time, you get a chance to do this, and yet to be involved at the right time in the right spot. Um, anytime you can do something like that, because I know the bra- I know I, you know David and Steve Brackman, and and they did a thing on the Caliente down there, and they had they had a 
a phenomenal day back when. But to do what you guys did is pretty amazing. And I got to tell you, congratulations and attaboy. <laughs> that was nothing uh, but fun. Thanks, Dan. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, life's short, man. You, you got to go on every trip you can possibly fit into your schedule. You got to fish as much as you can, and you got to turn other anglers on to your, to your passion to keep the sport growing. You now, are the, boats, are the boats of bad company, are they available for charter? Are they privately owned or a little bit of both or what, uh, Jimmy? They're all, they're all private owned by Anthony. He has a uh, uh, the fishing tournament for the veterans once a year that we do out of Avalon. And you can, you can bid on a one-day fishing trip on the big boat. I think it starts around ten grand for the for the for the one day that goes to charity. But other than that one day, uh, his boats are just for himself and his guests, as far as I know. He just happens to have Steve Lasley as a skipper, who is like the legend <laughs> in the arena down there. He is the yeah. best. Well, well there's, Jimmy, there's no I, one better than Steve. He's he's the best boat handler. He's he's the best fisherman I've ever met in my life. Period. Hey, the end. We're going to have to leave it at that, Jimmy. Jimmy, I, I know you're on the road with family. Thank you for taking some time to be with us and relate this experience with us. And just good luck up to you. And I, I hope we get a chance to meet you on the water here real soon. That's great. Thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Jimmy, right. Merry Christmas. We'll see you at the Fred Hall Show. Yes, sir. You sure will. Take care. All right. That was Jimmy Decker, part of a group from Bad Company that, uh, you know, just set a world record for catching the most marlin in a single day at 330. What what a trip, Stan. I don't know. I I think I'd be a little tired after that. You know, uh, we were down there and watching them. We were trying not to catch marlin. We were trying. I mean, they ate everything. If you were trolling it, they ate it. We tried, you know, throwing wahoo bombs or bait. If you threw an anchovy or a sardine, it didn't make any difference what you put in the water. You're going to hang one of those things. So we actually moved out of there because we didn't want the marlin. And uh, after several hours of trying to catch wahoo around them, which we got a few, it just got to be too much of a problem with the marlin. We're eating so fast. We got out of there. So they, they had an amazing trip. That was a crazy number. In four days, they went through 4,000 baits. Bait. And God only knows how many leaders and hooks and everything like that, Stan. No kidding. That, that's absolutely crazy. But what a one of, a lifetime experience. I mean, that, that's a once-in-a-lifetime chance to get involved with something like that. It's very rare that that comes by. So congratulations to all of them. Well, man, it was a fast two hours, Stan. Thanks a lot. We're going to be back next Sunday night with another live show on Raw and Real Radio here. So stay tuned, and we appreciate you being with us. We want to thank Otto in the AM540 studios, Ben, our local producer down here. We're glad to welcome Turner's Outdoorsman as a new sponsor to Raw and Real Radio. Thank you very much, Turner's Outdoorsman. And always, in memory of Big Tuna Bill and Eddie McCune, Thanks for making the show what it is. So until then, good night, everyone. We're out for now. On my door I'd hang a sign, gone fishing, instead of just a wishing. Baba Bing, I've stopped by your place a time or two lately, and you aren't home either. Well, I'm a busy man, Louie. I got a lot of big deals cooking. I was probably tied up at the studio. You weren't tied up, you dog. You was just playing old gone fishing.